All right, join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father and our God, we thank you once again for who you are, for all that you have done and all that you're doing even now. We thank you for your love, your faithfulness, your grace, and your mercy. Thank you for bringing us here today to hear a word from you. Thank you for everyone joining us on YouTube, on the website, on the radio, on television, wherever they are joining us from. We thank you for them right now. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us all. And we will all be forever changed for the better, having a better understanding of your word and ultimately a closer walk with you. So be glorified now, Lord, as we look to you to teach us all things. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we ask and pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. 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 Our topic for today, kindly take a note of it. Let's do what we should and work for the good. Let's do what we should and work for the good. Every time someone hear about work, they're thinking, what am I going to get paid? <laughs> well, your pay is going to be off the scale when you're working for the good. But the problem is, we don't always do what we should. We don't. We're humans, and we're prone to doing wrong. We don't always do what we should. For instance, we don't pray as much as we should. No one can say, oh, I pray as much as I should. No, because the Bible says pray without ceasing. So the moment you cease to pray, you're not praying as much as you should. We don't forgive as fast as we should. Sometimes people get under our skin, get on our last nerve. You're saying, oh, they didn't even get on my second to last nerve. They get on my last nerves. I'm ready to throw down. And that's mainly the ladies. Okay, 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 let me stop. Right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I know we need to forgive faster. Here's another thing. And we definitely, definitely don't share Christ with others as much as we should. We don't. You see, we oftentimes get so wrapped up with life affairs. And what we do, we ignore God's affairs. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just stating how we are as humans. But we want to be reminded, especially in, God told me, he said, look, Trevor, this is the last of the last days. I don't know what that means to you, but it means to me that we're going home really soon. It means to me that we got to stay ready for this year rapture. When we hear the trumpet call of God, and we're out of here. That's what I'm getting from this. So we need to do the work for the good. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where we start this off. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And if you can't find 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it's right after 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I hope that helps somebody out. <laughs> Let's drop down to verse 29. 1 Corinthians 7, 29. But let me say this, dear brothers and sisters. The time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Those 
who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. For this world, as we know it, will soon pass away. You see, this is some, this is some real talk we're doing today. Don't get all wrapped up in what's going on in your affairs, in your life. Some people, they're crying, oh, I lost my job. Some people, they're just so stressed out because they lost a loved one, they lost this. And I understand there's a time for everything. But don't let it, don't let it consume you. It's like, as a church, we're grieving our dearly beloved, you know, Deacon Kevin, and I had to catch myself at time and say, okay, God, give me some strength because I want to stay focused on your work. I want to keep moving. I want to do the things that's pleasing to you. And that's exactly what my brother would want me to do. Not just sit around crying. He's like, I'm with Jesus. Why are you sitting around moping? And I'm not saying that to be insensitive. I'm just saying that we can't take our eyes off the mission at hand. To work for the good. Your key point number one, I want you to write this down. Your weeping, joy, or possessions should never take all your attention. Remember, an officer in the Lord's army is always ready for action. Your weeping, joy, or possessions should never take all your attention. Remember, an officer in the Lord's army is always ready for action. And that's who we are, officers in the Lord's army. i read it one more again for those with the slow pen. Your weeping joy or possessions should never take all your attention. Don't be focused on that all day, every day. Remember, an officer in the Lord's army is always ready for action. Ready for action. And what's the action? We got to be ready to do the Lord's work. To work for the good. To shine our light. To give an encouraging word. To pray for someone. To let them know that God have a plan for their lives. You may be down today, but give God glory and he will pick you up tomorrow. You see, we got to be ready for that. And oftentimes we miss the opportunity and we're like, oh, well, I can't be doing that right now because I'm too busy doing me. You don't know what's going on in my life. You see, if we stop being so self-centered or self-serving, then we will be other people-centered and we can help somebody else get past their calamity. And in turn, God will bless you for your faithfulness. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was always other people-centered. So much that he went to the cross for our sins. He didn't do any wrong. We did the wrongs. He took our nail and on the cross. Because he loves. And that's where everything starts from. Love. First, love for God. And then we can truly love people. Let's read on some more. You're going to get a free marriage counseling in this as well. <laughs> it's 
not a marriage counseling type teaching, but it's in there. Verse 32, it says this. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. Free from the concerns of this life? Exactly. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. And I hope the husbands are listening to this because you can't just do ministry all day every day and don't spend time with your wife. It's not going to fly. His interests, verse 34, are divided in the same way a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. Works both ways. You got some woman there in church six, seven days a week, and her husband say, can you spend some time with me? Oh, no, I got to go to church. We got women's conference. We got Bible study. We got sit around and talk about other woman time. <laughs> they got all these different things that they got going on. And the husband is like, you know, can't you spend some time? And I've heard this complain. One guy told me ever since his wife started going to this church, they fell apart. It's not supposed to be that way. It's not supposed to be that way. You got you to gotta balance things out. There's a time and place for everything. You got to have a relationship with God. But ministry can be so consuming that you neglect your spouse. And that's not what God wants for you. Even in my own life, there are certain ministries I have to step back and look and say, okay, Trevor, you're doing too much. You got to let somebody else do some things here and there. With women's, with a, not women, with, with a men's fellowship, you know, I have other people teaching. You know, I, I do once in a blue moon. You know, I, I, I lock some of the Bible stories to some of my leaders. You know, marriage conference, because I can't do everything. I got to spend time with my wife and family. You have to remember how to balance. If you try to bite off too much, you will choke. And the last thing you need is for your pastor to choke or for you to choke, and then you just, and you can't function, can't do nothing. Not good. I have to sit one guy down who's a pastor and talk to him, a good friend of mine, and say, look, you're doing too much. You can't do this, 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 this. No, stop. When do you spend time with your wife? And he chuckled, he's like, man, Trevor, I wish I had met you three years ago. This is what he told me many years ago. He said, I wish I had met you three years ago because I would still be married today. He got divorced because of ministry. It's possible. And that's not God's will. God's will is for you to balance. All right? Not to neglect his work. But to just do things on a certain level where you're not, you know, tipping the scale too much on one side and not balancing it out. Okay? Verse 35. 1 Corinthians 7, 35. It says this. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. And I love that word, distractions, because that's what the devil wants to put in our way. 
And the reason why I love it is because every time I see it, I say, oh, here you come, Mr. Distraction. Give me a chance to knock it out. It's a punching bag for me. I use the word distraction as a punching bag. Every time I see it, I say, oh, one more distraction. Huh? <clears throat> you know, give it a few blows. Don't allow the distraction to seep into your life and take you away from your work for the Lord. Don't allow it. And the devil sends many distractions by way of people, by way of activities. Even food can be a distraction. You ever sit down to read your Bible and the devil start reminding you about some fried chicken? Now, <laughs> I'm telling you, he always think of some distraction for you. Maybe you're a vegetarian and he start reminding you of some tofu <laughs> or some vegetables or whatever. You know, he's always sending something our way. And I always see, I'm like, oh, another distraction. You know, I'm thinking about, I'm reading my Bible. The devil's going to be reminding me about some soccer game highlights. I'm like, the blood of Jesus. I can watch the highlights when I'm done reading my Bible. Get away from me. Because he's trying to speak to you. Say, you know, hurry up, man. Put that down. Remember the TV's got something going on. Or, you know, you got to make this phone call. I'm thinking, that can wait. Because I have to feed my spirit man. Everyone has to make a decision to feed their spirit man so that they can do the work of the Lord. Because if you're not working for the good, you're slacking off. Let's face it. And the way how we share, we first hear from God. How are you going to hear from God if you're not spending time with him in his word, in prayer? in close fellowship and communion with him. If you're not doing that, my friends, you're doing yourself a great injustice. And I don't want that for you. Too special for that. So let's write something down for the husband and wives right now. Key point number two. Husbands and wives, pay attention. Serve each other as unto the Lord. Then take your ministry outside the yard. Husbands and wives, pay attention. Serve each other as unto the Lord. Serve each other as unto the Lord. Then take your ministry outside the yard. Husbands and wives, pay attention. Serve each other as unto the Lord. Then take your ministry outside the yard. I don't want to hear anyone in Jesus' team saying, you know, I'm neglected by my husband. I'm neglected by my wife because they're so busy doing ministry. That is ridiculous to me because in your house is where your number one ministry is, your household. You got to take care of your family. That's your number one ministry because if you're not doing that and you're running around seeing and doing the Lord's work, what you're doing is sinistry. Is that a word, sinistry? Well, it's my word. I'm using it. Sinistry, if you're not taking care of your family. I don't agree with that. You talk about you serving everybody else and ignoring your family, the blood of Jesus. That makes no sense to me. And so many people are guilty of that. One lady complaining that her husband, who happens to be a pastor, barks at her, makes her feel small. She curls in a little corner, 
raises his hand at her. I want to go slap him. So, oh, no, you can't say nothing to him. That's not good. That's not the way you're supposed to treat your wife. And then I hear about wives barking at their husband. That's not the way you're supposed to treat your husband. What happened to love? Do you know that whatever you do to each other, you're doing it unto the Lord? You need to read your Bible, my friends. That's the problem when people are not doing their Bible reading. You know, we have our Bible reading that we do every week, reading through the Bible in a year. It's on our Jesus team. Remember, you got to get our newsletter. Because the newsletter, when you go to our website, sign up for the newsletter. Every week, it's mailed out. The reading for the week sends out in the newsletter on the Monday. Okay? So utilize the tools that's available to you. You know, you go to our website, jesusteamtv.com, click, yeah. You want to sign up for the newsletter, you will get it in your email, and it comes with the topic of the sermon and the key points and Bible verses and all that good stuff. Utilize this. A lot of people don't know, but it's there. Find out what's going on in your community, in your church. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about how we're supposed to do ministry. Go to Colossians chapter 3. I'm not going to done. I'm not, the Spirit of God wants me to talk a little bit more about this family thing. Because it's a big issue. It's a big issue where families are running out of tissue because they're crying too much. <laughs> and that's not good. Especially not in the Christian church. Shouldn't be. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Start in verse 18. I'll run through this real quick because I want you guys to get this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. I'm talking to somebody today because the Spirit of God wouldn't have me go here unless somebody needed to hear. Never treat them harshly. That means treat them with gentleness and kindness and love and respect. Children, open your ears up, children. Always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Children, always obey your parents. And I know your mother, your father may tell you something you don't want to hear, but just do it anyways, because you're called to be obedient. As a matter of fact, it's the first commandment that comes with a promise, that if you honor your father and mother, your days on earth will be long. And believe me, I know people that didn't honor, well, I don't know his father, but didn't honor his mother, and his life got cut short. I had to go to his funeral. I had to rebuke him one day and say, oh, dear, you talk to your mother like that. In my presence, are you crazy? He's like, oh, Trevor, she made me sick. I said, that's your mother. You made her sick when she was pregnant with you. But I'm telling you, some people don't get it. And that's why it's important to read the Bible. Honor your mother and your father. Be obedient, children. And fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Now, what would a father do to aggravate the children? Some fathers 
They don't understand discipline. They just know abuse. If your child does something wrong, don't take your shoe off and hit them with it. That's abuse. Don't give them five across the eye. That's abuse. <laughs> right? You talk to them first. I'm all for discipline. My son will tell you. Before I discipline him, I'm telling you, yeah, I have to discipline. That's if, if I didn't discipline him, the Bible says that means I don't love him. So I have to speak to him and say, this is what you did wrong. And I want you to understand this so you don't do it again. And then I have to slap him on his arm, you know, and it stings. <laughs> and I tell him, look, it hurts me more than it hurts him. I don't want to have to hit him. My wife, she can't even handle it. She's just going to the next room. <laughs> you know, but, but I got to do it. Because I love him and I want to make sure he's brought up the right way and he don't end up in the prison system. The problem why so many people are in jail is because they didn't have any good upbringing. No one directed their path and said, hey, this is wrong. This is right. Do this. Don't do that. If you do wrong, there's going to be consequences. That's what's needed. Problem is, you got children telling the parents what to do. The blood of Jesus. You're not doing the work of the, of the Lord by allowing your children to run all over you. That's actually doing the work of the devil. Work for the good, it starts in your household. Doing the Lord's work starts in your household. I can't stress it enough. Because if you can't take care of your own household... How in the world are you going to go out and minister to people? That's crazy to me. Now, I know there's some people that's really rebellious. You got to really pray for them. So fathers, do your part. Here's another thing. Slaves. Now, slaves will translate into being an employee for someone's business in today's society, okay? You're not a slave. Some people are like, oh, slaves don't apply to me. Well, it does because you're an employee you're not a slave per se, but you are employed by someone that's paying you to do a job. It says this, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. That blessed my heart many years ago. When I was an employee for someone and I read this, when the boss was not looking, I saw some of my coworkers slacking off, taking extra smoke breaks, doing all these different things. I said, you know what, Trevor? You know better. Keep on working. Little did I know, I was being watched. And I ended up getting promoted over the slackers. <laughs> You see, you never know when the boss is peeking around the corner to see who's slacking off or who's working. So because you do things uprightly, God will reward us openly. So keep that in mind. It says in verse 24, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And, what, and that the master you are serving is is Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. But 
If you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. No. I'm telling you right now, we need to live a certain way. And if we don't do the things we know we're supposed to do, if we're not doing the work for the good like we know we should, how do you expect God to, to bless you? Some people are talking about, oh, I want this. I would like a new house. I would like a new car. I'm not against all that. But what are you doing for the Lord? What are you bargaining with? Do you say, oh, Lord, guess what? I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. I've been leading my family well. I've been shining my light. I've been standing up for righteousness. When I go around my friends and they start cursing, I say, hey, listen, I'm a woman of God. I'm a man of God. Please don't use the profanity. Let's glorify God with our speech. Have you been bold enough to tell someone Jesus is Lord? Have you said to anyone, hey, Jesus is coming again, man. Are you ready to meet him? Have you done anything? Some people, there's so much in the closet, they don't even realize they're in there. The closet has become their norm. Get out of the closet and shine your light. You're in the closet with the lights turned off and you think you're saved. You think you're sanctified. You don't take a stand for nothing. Well, remember this. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. So stand up for Jesus and do the work. For the good. Your key point number three. Write this down. The good news is this. There is a great reward for us who serve the Lord working for the good. This is good news now. The good news is this. There is a great reward, not a small reward, a great reward. I love the sound of that when I was writing it. I say a great reward for us who serve the Lord working for the good. The good news is this. There is a great reward for us who serve the Lord working for the good. Now, you hear me say working for the good several times. Let me just break it down so everyone totally understands what working for the good is. It's simply this. Any action that enhances the kingdom of God. Any action that enhances the kingdom of God. Yes. Even though God bless you. You know, praise the Lord. Um, let me pray for you. Let me encourage this person because they're going through. We talk to people that's thinking about suicide. You never know just what a conversation, letting them know that they can put their trust in God will do to them. Me and my wife was talking a couple of days ago. I, was, um, I visited the church in Carolina, my um, father-in-law's church. He's a deacon up there, and um, me and my wife was at the church. And, um, you know, we're there, and the church is going and going and going. And then um, after church, the Lord placed in my heart to go and talk to a lady that was sitting by herself over by the left. She was sitting and she had her head down. And um, the Lord said, go and tell her it's going to be all right. Just keep the trust and the faith in him, and he's going to fix it. So I didn't know. I was just being obedient. So I went over there. I said, praise the Lord, my sister. I'm Pastor Trevor, such and such and such. And I was sitting down minding my business, and the Lord told me to come over and tell you, everything is going to be all right. He's going to fix it. Just trust him. And would you believe the lady started crying? 
stand up, grab me, give me a hug. I said, what's going on? Tell me what's going on. She said, I was just sitting down planning how I can kill myself. You see, what if I wasn't obedient? See, doing the work of the Lord is very, very important. And if we take it lightly, what happens is we miss the opportunity to help somebody. It's not so much just helping us because we're going to be helped too. We're going to be rewarded for our faithfulness. But God wants us to take this thing to heart and to look for opportunity to work for the good. Look for opportunity to work for the good. And I never forget because I'm thinking, man, you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, you know, I have to step out of my shell. I have to approach someone. They may not be receptive. Well, if they shut me down, they shut me down. All I know is I delivered the message. And that's what I want with us to keep in mind. Because we're running out of time, my friends. We're going to see Jesus sooner rather than later. Anybody excited about going to heaven? Oh, man, we got to try that one again. Anybody excited about going to heaven? Listen, guys, you watching on YouTube, I didn't hear you. I'm giving you one more chance. Anybody excited about going to heaven? Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm excited about going to heaven. When I get there, I'm going to ask for some turbocharged wings. Hey, I'm telling you, it's going to be good. Streets made with gold, not paved with. I correct people all the time and say, look, paved with means the gold is overlaying an asphalt or something. No, but when it's made with gold, it's solid gold. Oh, man. Just that alone, I can't wait to, because I like gold. You know, we all love gold. Well, most people, some people like the yellow gold, some people like the white gold. This, listen, I like gold. Right? I like wear gold watch, gold rings. I like gold. I'm not going to knock it. So imagine seeing gold everywhere at my mansion in heaven. I'm looking forward to that. But even though the gold is nice, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to see are the best person I'm looking forward to see, Jesus. I just want to give him a hug and say thank you. What you did for me, nobody else could have done. Oh, I don't know how long the line is going to be, but I'm joining that line. I'm joining that line to give Jesus a hug. I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to that day. If you're not excited about heaven, let's face it, you need to change the things you're excited about. That's what we should all be excited about, going to heaven. What's the purpose of getting dressed and coming to church if you're not excited about heaven? If you want a social arena, go to the grocery store. Talk about food. <laughs> but we want to come to the food place for our soul. Church. And get a word. So we can grow in him. So we can be more like him. That's the whole purpose. We want to be more like Jesus. You know, I was doing a security question the other day and someone asked, Oh, um, who is the one person in life that you would like to meet? Or wish you would have met? Jesus, face to face. I met him in the spirit, and I have him living in me, but I would love to meet him face to face. 
and give him a hug. And he's going to say, Lord, why am I so crazy? He's going to say, I made you that way. <laughs> but at least I'm crazy in love with him. I gave the devil a pink slip. Some people still keeping the devil in one pocket and trying to hang out with Jesus in the other. You can't do it. You're struggling the fence. Imagine struggling the fence, how far you're going to get. It's not very far. If there's a fence here, and you're going like this over the fence, you're not going to get very far, and you can't run very fast. And if you're a guy, there's some other dangers at stake. <laughs> right? <laughs> Stop straggling the fence. Pick a side and say, you know what? I'm going to run the race for Jesus. You're better off. Because in this life, everyone is either in the race or sitting by the sidelines. And if you're sitting by the sidelines, you're still in the race. You're just not finishing well. So get in the race and run for Jesus. Oh, glory be to God. All right, let me stop messing around. Go to Psalm 90. Let's go back to some things here. Psalm chapter 90. Psalm chapter 90. Hallelujah, Jesus. Working for the good. All right, let's start in verse 12. And I love the way David put it because, actually, Moses wrote this. I love the way Moses wrote it because he wanted us to realize that it's not like we have a long time before we leave this earth. And he says in verse 12, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Grow in wisdom? Exactly. How do, we, how do we grow in wisdom? Wisdom comes from God. The more of the Holy Spirit that comes in us, the more knowledge and wisdom we get from Him, the more we can apply. And when we get His wisdom, we can share with others, hey, turn from your evil ways, because life is short. You can plan and plan and plan, but it doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. God determines what happens. It says here, verse 13, O Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. It says, replace the evil years with good. Let us, your servants, See you work again. So he wants to see the work of God through them. Let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, Lord, make our efforts successful. I love that. Why? Because the man of God really wants to see people working for the good. He wants to see the, the congregation, the the people of Israel, turning and doing what God requires them to do. Keep his commands. Love thy neighbor. You know, repent of their sins. Turn from evil. Do, you want to see them do that. And that's the same passion I have. Look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1. Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. I love this Proverbs. It says this. Verse 1 says this. 
We can make our plans, our own plans. But the Lord gives the right answer. The Lord. Let's read down some more because it's got some good things in here. People may be pure in their own eyes, right? But the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. So my friends, again I'm saying, when you're working for the good, you better believe the other plans that you have will succeed because God saw that you're making a sacrifice to accomplish his will and then he will accomplish your will in the interim. It's just the way it is. When Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33, we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and then everything else will be added. When he said that, he meant that. Seek God first, his kingdom first, his will first. Do the work of the Lord first. Everything else will fall into place. The mistake people make, they ignore God. Put God on a shelf as if he's for sale in some store. And they just keep running like a squirrel in a cage, chasing down their dreams and all these things that they're doing. And they figure out that they can't accomplish it. And even if they do accomplish it, they end up being miserable. They're stressed out because they have no peace, no joy. They did it without the Holy Spirit lead. And Satan is good at giving people a curse in the form of a blessing. They think it's a blessing. Oh, I've got this new job position. It requires me to work eight days a week, but I'm straight. No, it's not straight. You're not a machine. When are you going to take a day off? When are you going to spend time with the family going to the beach and twiddling your toes in the sand? Even if you got some corns, don't worry about it. The sand will cover it up. Right? Find some things to have enjoyment in life. Do the Lord's work. When are you going to start praying for your neighbor, even though they get on your nerves? When are you going to forgive the people that wronged you? When are you going to show love to those who hate you? Do the Lord's work. Man, just your own agenda. That's selfish. You might as well hold a sign up and say, I selfish. It's terrible. <laughs> Verse 4. <laughs> Come on, man. Verse 4, it says, The Lord has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests the proud. They will surely be punished. Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. And this is true. When we fear the Lord, we're like, okay, I don't want to do this because it's going to sin against my God. And I don't want to sin against my God. I want to do the right thing by my God so I can receive the blessing from my God. And then he goes on to say, verse 7, the final verse in this area of scripture. It says, when people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. Yes. Hallelujah, Jesus. When our lives please the Lord, even our enemies are at peace with us. They're like, you know what? I can't even be bothered. Just leave them be. <laughs> They're confused. They're like, uh, I can't be bothered with him. My friends, it works. But if you don't try, you won't know. Glory be to God. Let's look at what Jesus said before I give you your, your fourth 
key point. Go with me to Matthew chapter 9. Jesus has something powerful to tell us, instructions to tell us, and it's going to help us. Matthew 9, 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. What was he doing? He was doing the work. He was working for the good, telling people about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illnesses. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, and I love this, and I always remember this, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Glory be to God. He's telling us that's what we're supposed to be doing. Praying and asking God to send more workers. And when we are praying and asking God to send more workers, God will say to us, make sure do your work so that we won't be hypocritical in our prayer. We will be doing the work and asking God for more workers. Our key point number four, and it's kind of long, but bear with me and write down whatever. you got to write this down because what he said to me makes sense. And I just wrote it down the way he told me, so don't blame me for nothing. Don't think I'm picking on you. I'm just telling you what the Holy Spirit told me to write down. Key point number four. The people are ready to be harvested to the Lord. The question is, will you be the Lord's mouthpiece? If not, you need to be harvested as well. The people are ready to be harvested for the Lord. Harvested to the Lord. The question is, will you be the Lord's mouthpiece? Question mark. If not, you need to be harvested as well. So you're saying, if I'm not the Lord's mouthpiece, I'm not where I'm supposed to be spiritually? Exactamente. One more time. The people are ready to be harvested to the Lord. The question is, will you be the Lord's mouthpiece? If not, you need to be harvested as well. I'm not saying you have to be out there preaching a sermon. But I'm saying you need to stand up for righteousness. And let people know who are in your circle that, hey, you know, don't use those words around me. Don't gossip about this person. Don't correct them. Why? Because you are being the Lord's mouthpiece. If you just go with the flow, like some river, you know what happened to the river? It ends up in the sea. And the sea is salty. It's not potable water. You can't drink it. So if you're a river that ends up in the sea, you taste salty now, and you're not going to quench anyone's thirst. Don't just go with the flow. No, go against the flow. Say, hey, I'm doing the Lord's will. I don't want to hear that type of conversation. I have to cut myself off. You got to walk away from people sometimes. Shine your light. If you're not being the difference, people are going to think you're just like them. And that's not beneficial. Be his mouthpiece. 
or else your life might end up in pieces. See, when we are saved, the Holy Spirit is in us. So we have a desire to share him. As a matter of fact, let me show you something. Go with me to Acts chapter 1. Because oftentimes people believe that when you have the Holy Spirit, you're just supposed to speak in unknown languages and, you know, and jump around and tell people things that they don't know what you're saying and you sound super spiritual. But the Holy Spirit is a little more than that. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, is a little more than that. As a matter of fact, this is what it says in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But this is what I want you to get in your spirit. But you will receive power. Let me hear somebody say power. power. Oh, that's weak. I need it with some more power. Let me hear somebody say power. power. Exactly. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And guess what this power is for, my friends? You guessed it. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So when the Holy Spirit is in you, the proof that the Holy Spirit is in us is when we are speaking his word. When we're not ashamed to tell someone, look here. What you're doing is wrong. And because I love you, I want to tell you the truth. I'm working for the good. I want you to see that Jesus has a plan for your life. Stop doing that. Do this. Be helpful. I'm telling you, my friends, that's when you know the Holy Spirit is in you. If you are not saying things and doing the work of the Lord to enhance the kingdom by your conversations with others, you know, you know the topic today, again, is let's do what we should Work for the good, all right? Work for the good is telling people about the kingdom and showing people the kingdom by the way we live. I got tons of friends, and they can't come around me and say, hey, Trevor, you know what? Let's smoke some weed, man. I say, I don't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> I'm not doing that. They can't tell me to go get drunk with them somewhere. I'm not doing that. They can't tell me to go and cheat on my wife. Oh, man, don't worry, man. We got some girls over here. We're going. I'm not doing that. Are you crazy? I've got the Holy Spirit in me. I'm saying the blood of Jesus. You got to learn how to be his mouthpiece and let his power go through you. Because if his power is not going through you, the devil has you like, have you like a puppet on a string. Okay, do this. And you're like, okay, Lou. Do that, okay, Lou, and lose for Lucifer in case you don't know. The thing is, don't allow Lou to trick you anymore. Rebuke him. Call him ugly, because he is. Everyone who is wrapped up in sin is an ugly creature. They talk about, oh, the most beautiful people out in California. I'm not knocking people from California. But when I went out there, me and my wife was out, we saw a bunch of demons. And I'm like, whoa. 
the beautiful people are in Jesus' team ministries. Hallelujah, Jesus. And you too on YouTube. You're beautiful too because, you know, you're, you're joining us. You're a part of Jesus' team ministries. You're listening on the radio. You have a beautiful heart. You're a part of Jesus' team ministries. You're beautiful. What makes you beautiful is the spirit of the living God. When his Holy Spirit is in us and working through us, we are beautiful. We are spectacular looking. And you don't even need makeup. You ever see some people that put on so much makeup, they look like a circus clown and still ugly. I'm like, what are you doing to yourself? You got two inches of makeup, cut it out. <laughs> but when you put on Christ Jesus, you don't just feel good. You look good. Hallelujah, Jesus. And then you can open your mouth and tell people, hey, Jesus is Lord, my friend. When I ask people, hey, do you know my Jesus? And they're like, well, you know, I used to go to church back in the day, but to be honest with you, I don't know more. I can relate to that, but that gives me an opportunity to share and say, not all churches are trying to control you. Not all churches just want your money. Not all churches are trying to dictate to you what you should do in your own private household. Because a guy called me one time from Virginia, I believe, and he's complaining that his pastor is trying to get in his bedroom. Pastor's up there telling them what they are to do with his wife or not. And I'm like, what in the world are you talking? He said, yeah, pastor, I can't believe this guy. I said, first of all, Hebrews 13 and 4 says, marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled. So you're married, you do whatever you want to do. If you want to break the ceiling fan, go for it. <laughs> Don't let no one tell you no foolishness. <laughs> he said, thank you, man, because he's getting on my nerves. I said, look, sometimes you might have to leave that church. But don't let people drive you crazy. You have the Holy Spirit in you, and he will lead you. He will direct you. And when you're hearing the truth, it should resonate in your heart. It should connect and say, you know what? I feel that. I'm going to be more forgiving. I'm going to be more patient. You know, as an ex-gangster, and I remember, you know, quick to floor somebody in a heartbeat. And as a man of God, I say, no, what would Jesus do? Will he knock out that person or would he pray for them and shower them with love? It's a big difference. And we got to remember, if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we're supposed to look like Jesus. If we don't look like him, the Holy Spirit is not in you. I hate to break it to you, but that's the reality. God look like him. God shine your light like him. Tell you what Jesus said to do. Go to Mark chapter 16. Matthew, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. So I can give you your final key point. Mark 16, verse 15. If you don't know this verse, you ought to be ashamed of yourself because it is Jesus' team ministry's life verse. It is our life verse here at this church. Our commission what we're supposed to be doing as a body of believers. Mark 16, verse 15 says, And then he told them, Jesus told the disciples, Go into all the world, not just Fort Lauderdale, 
go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And sometimes people read this, verse 16, and say, oh man, i got to be baptized in water to go to heaven. No, but you got to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit got to come in you or else you're not going to heaven. He's the only one who knows the direction to get to the heaven. And don't think that having the Holy Spirit is, oh, I'm speaking in tongues. And, you know, anybody can say, oh, he coming in a Honda. Our Toyota, whatever. That does not impress me. Okay? And I know, and I know, I try to be sensitive with this because I've been accused by people, oh, Pastor Trevor is not, is not real pastor because he don't speak in tongues. I said, hmm. Show me one time where Jesus spoke in another language and no one understood what he was saying. Not once. Show me the Apostle Paul speaking in another language and no one understood what he was saying. But I can show you where the apostles spoke in another language and everyone understood what they were saying from those parts of the world. From Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, and all these places. You see, don't miss and twist the scriptures. When they spoke in different language, it was for the people from different regions to understand the gospel. So we grew up with these traditions and all these things and people telling you, you must do something or else you don't have the Holy Spirit. And I made to lovingly say, read your Bible. See what he says. Because most people are being misled. Now, if you're speaking in a different language and someone is there to interpret what you're saying, I'm totally cool with that. But I don't go places, standing around, people are saying a whole bunch of things. I don't know what they're saying. They may be cursing me out. He may be saying another language. That doggone Pastor Trevor, I don't like him because he needs to grow some hair. His bald head is shining off and blinding me. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. Right? So I want to understand. That's why when I teach, I teach so people can understand the words and apply it to their lives. That's what Jesus does. And we're Jesus Team Ministries. And until he tell me different, that's what I'm doing. Amen. Glory be to God. Your key point number five, your final key point. Oh, glory be to God. The coming of the Lord is near to rapture us out of here. When we share, we give others a chance to prepare. Unless we just don't care. I know, it's a lot of rhyme, right? He allowed me to do it, because you know I'm like that. The coming of the Lord is near to rapture us out of here. When we share, we give others a chance to prepare, to get right. Unless we just don't care. And if you just don't care, you may not be going to heaven. We should all care about the lost. I heard a pastor say one time, jokingly, he was joking, like, you know, oh, come on, Jesus, let them people go to hell. People laugh. And I thought about it. I was like, oh, that's not very nice, though. Someone is going to hell, and you can throw them a rope and say, hey, grab onto Jesus. He will pull you up. You know, 
Change your life. Do things a little different, and God will get you sorted out. If you can offer that, don't just ignore. No. Let the Lord use you. Again, the coming of the Lord is near to rapture us out of here. When we share, we give others a chance to prepare. Unless you just don't care. And if you just don't care, shame on you. It is very important to do this. Why? Let's look at Proverbs 15 and 3. We're almost done. Proverbs 15, verse 3. Hallelujah, Jesus. Proverbs 15, verse 3. This is what it says. The Lord is watching some places. <laughs> He's watching everywhere. Keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. So my thing is, since God has a video camera on us, why not give him something good to look at? Makes sense, don't it? He sees everything we do, even in the dark. And I had to tell a brother one day, and a brother like a, you know, someone, black people, they call him, hey, brother, even though some of them don't act like a brother. But anyways, this guy had to tell him, I said, look here, I know you're dark-skinned, but God don't need you to smile for him to see what you do in the dark. He's like, really? <laughs> he sees everything. He sees everything. And you know what's crazy? God even sees what we think. Oh, man. Some people are like, oh, boy, I'm in trouble. Because my mind is all over the place. I understand that. All right? But with the Holy Spirit in us, we can take our thoughts captive now. We can be transformed by the renewing of our minds now. We can say the blood of Jesus. I'm not thinking that no more. I'm thinking wholesome things. I'm thinking positive things. I'm thinking things that will glorify my God and bless me. Yes, because if God is glorified, my friends, it's our church motto. If God is glorified, we will be satisfied. Amen. It never fails. But if we seek to give glory to ourselves, we're not going to be satisfied. And God is going to deny us of our heart's desires. Last place we're going to turn to, 1 Peter, just to confirm this. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Look at verse 12. 1 Peter all the way in the back, just before 2 Peter. Chapter 3, verse 12. Again. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And since we're doing right, look at what he's going to do. And his ears are open to their prayers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah Jesus. Again, I got to read that one more time. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And his ears are open to their prayers. Now, i got some things I'm praying for, and I want God to grant me my prayer request. So what do I have to do? i got to do what is right. I've got to work for the good, just like I should. And that's what all of us should be doing. The end of that verse says, But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil against those who don't want to do his will, 
They want to do their will. He turns his face. So they could be praying and praying and praying, and God is like, I know you ain't talking to me. That's what he says. And I don't want you to go through that. I want you to do what you should, work for the good, and reap the reward from the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, encouraging us to work for the good, to shine our light, to testify about your goodness, to be bold with our faith, to let the world around us know that Jesus is Lord and you're coming again soon. Just ask that you would touch everyone's heart right now and everyone who needs to repent of their sins for not listening to your word, not being obedient, not doing the things they're supposed to do. Tug on their hearts and let them know that today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, if that's you and the Spirit of God is tugging on your heart, and you know you need to repent of your sins, it's best to come to Jesus on your own than to have six people bring you in on a box to meet him when it's too late. So wherever you are, listening on the radio, watching on YouTube or the television, or you're here in the sanctuary, if you know you need to repent of your sins or if you need to rededicate your life to him, don't let another moment go by. Take care of this business right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Can you repeat after me? Say, Lord God, I confess that I'm a sinner. But today, Lord, I repent of all my sins. And I turn to you. Wash me clean and make me new. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me and for being raised on the third day. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and stay with me. From this day forward, I am yours. And I thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. To God be the glory. You said that prayer, my friend. You have just gotten your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You just got to make sure, like you open a bank account, you make sure you put a deposit in there so that you can grow in Jesus' name. I may not see you down here in heaven and earth, but if you live for Jesus, I'll see you in heaven. Glory be to God. At this point,